that work? Are we? It looks like we're recording. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be your podcast? Yeah. Voice? That's the yeah. 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 Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. Hi, babe. Hey, love. I'm so excited that we're recording. I'm very excited. Titillated. <laughs> I know you love that word. <laughs> I do. I'm really happy that we're finally recording together. I just someone's got to do it. It's, yeah. This is the first and only podcast that's ever been recorded. <laughs> the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have your glass of wine. Yeah. And I just ate a chocolate. Right. I would eat more. Like that's the thing I do is eat. But we're podcasting, so ew. <laughs> so I can't do that. But I don't drink wine, so I guess you could have gotten me a root beer, but then I would have been burping. <laughs> well, I'm nodding. I have been wanting to record you for a very long time. Basically, every night when we go to bed and I make us start talking, <laughs> and she needs a white noise machine, she asks me any random question so Just, that I put her to sleep. <laughs> Someone should be recording this. I always wish that I had a recorder on because you are so brilliant. And I just want everybody to be able to be blessed by you. And I'm very good at taking compliments, so I accept what you're saying. <laughs> so let's um <clears throat> so this series is obviously gonna be about marriage. I mean we'll we'll probably have to get into parenting too, but for this segment of my podcast, I really want it to be focused on marriage. That's why Ethan Burt is here. I can talk about other things on my own, but obviously it takes two to tango. So we want to talk about marriage together. And I really want you all to just be blessed by Ethan Burt because I am and he makes our marriage great. I mean, I do some of the work, you know, but um, yeah, I just think you're such a blessing and you're the most beautiful, wonderful man I've ever met. So <laughs> he's adorably taking my compliment. Like a please, please keep goon. going. I, I, I love endless compliments. <laughs> you look like a goon. <laughs> You're so cute. So let's just start with our story tonight. Mm. How to not make that terribly long. That's one of your specialties. Yeah. But are we Making get to a long else? story longer. I don't know. Let's just start with that. we got to start somewhere, right? <clears throat> so we met. I used to. That happened. I used to really drag this story on. Because it, at the time, seemed like the most significant and wonderful story that's ever happened. So far. Well, <laughs> recently, the, th- the changes that have taken place just they dwarf what happened before. And so I, I feel even less magnanimous about those events. Like, they were, they were wondrous and life-changing. But there's just something that... I can't touch what's happened recently. Hmm. So forgive my lack of enthusiasm compared to how I used to tell the story years ago. But anyway, I mean, my challenge is always how how far back to go. Mm -hmm. Literally right when we meet, because the backstory is kind of important. Yeah. Um, This can be a whole series. uh, Cliff notes, I guess, would be I really hated God. Um, had a lot of pain and when I say I hated God really I I thought if there is a God he is the most disgusting creature in existence I just 
viciously hated that idea. And so I, I would go back and forth between there cannot be a God to there must be a God and he's evil. And I was just tormented. Mm. And uh, when I met Bethany, she humiliated a lot of my arguments I had built up over the years because my arguments had no wisdom in them. They were all predicated on intellect and logic. And those by themselves are fine, but they're not comprehensive. Bethany, having not committed as much time as I had to philosophy and logic, she had brought something to me that I had just basically never considered. There was just a magic available to her that I had written off long ago as infantile, childish. And But really, I'd written it off for so long that I hadn't actually seen it for a long time. And so now I was seeing it in an adult, and <clears throat> something was taking place even just talking to her. It was... You know, it felt very sensational at the time. I was extremely... I am a very dramatic person, but especially back then, everything was just so sensitively charged, and I felt embarrassed to even be looked at by you. It looked like I... Like I had done everything wrong and evil in the world and just someone pure came along like, don't don't look at me. Mm. And yes, pretty girl did look at boy, boy did love girl. <laughs> but there was a lot more that was going on there. Uh, the Lord sent Bethany to me mm. as an emissary of delight and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Two things I had uh, <clears throat> abandoned. So uh, I met Bethany, and I was crazy at the time, and so I was genuinely convinced I had hallucinated her because her answers were too conveniently successful. <laughs> she was too conveniently beautiful. Uh, everything was just too convenient. So I certainly, I've been. Under the influence of a lot of chemicals, and I, it's not unbelievable that I would have hallucinated the whole thing. And then she texted me the next day, and I was floored that that was real. Mm-hmm. And so, over the next six days of meeting her, we were sorry, I've skipped. We were we met at DAC. We were both doing our clin- community uh, college. Community college. Uh, not not everyone here is from around here. Uh, Danville Area everyone Community College, local community college. <laughs> I was going to be a physician's assistant. She was going to be a nurse. So we were both taking our CNA class to kind of get our foot in the door and get acclimated to the medical field. And so we were in our class, and uh, that's where we met. Hmm. And so we had this juxtaposition that was taking place. I, there was a there was already something set up where I was definitely going to, if I went, I was going to see her tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And over the next six days, I completely forgot what existence was and what I was previously doing because uh, it started the conversation internally. At first, I was—I felt twi- like I was twisting. It felt very painful emotionally. Over the course of the next six days, I was just wrestling internally with, God, is this Everything. you? <laughs> and... The nearer I got to the possibility that it was indeed God, the more absolutely ashamed of myself that he was presenting himself in this way. 
I had spent the previous years cursing his name very actively. And if this is him, then this is unfair. This is too kind. Hmm. I was expecting, if he was real, to bring punishment and brutality. And he brought a friend. Bethany was extremely kind to me, very friendly. And <laughs> when we've recounted the story before, she you know, wishes that she was doing all this on purpose, you know, <laughs> that she was trying to evangelize me, that she was trying to be like Christ to me, but she was just lovely. <laughs> it's just, that's just her nature. And uh, We were, in a lot of ways, opposite, in a lot of ways, very similar. But uh, my memory of meeting Bethany was she facilitated the handoff. Jesus sent Bethany to me to soften me, to accept him. And I fought that pretty hard initially. And then ultimately the forgiveness came, the devastating hammer blow of forgiveness that utterly changed me. Changed everything. Everyone that I know now apart from maybe if some family's listening to this, uh, is unaware of who I was before. I'm just, I'm just not remotely like I was. <laughs> Perhaps with the exception of, I'm a, I've always been a little somber, a little quiet, and less prompted to talk than I can be talkative. <laughs> um, but I spent all of my teens being suicidally depressed and miserable and very furious. Um, and so this, I even wince at calling it something as mere as a Christian life. It feels like I'm, at, I've, I'm living in a playground, just so very different than what I remember. Hmm. There just seems to be constant relationships and, and play and sweetness available. And I'm still kind of, still kind of waiting for the awfulness to return and it just never does this is 14 15 years ago now mm-hmm. but still i mean this feels like wow. nothing 15 years is nothing so i my memory of meeting bethany is drastically different than hers because she's not bringing with it all the baggage of not necessarily pain but darkness she mm-hmm. brings a lot of pain to the table but um uh, I played a lot closer to the fire before, mm. in the fire. So that's about as brief as I could probably be. That was really good. <laughs> I love our story. <laughs> I'm so thankful. I um, I remember, I mean, I love remembering. Sometimes I can't believe that it's been 14 years because it feels like just yesterday. And that's probably, I don't know, maybe one of the things that, is so great about our marriage is like we we take every every bit of it along with us we don't forget um you know to remember just what a gift it is um what a gift it is that we met and that god ordained this that he created marriage and that he made it so special so when i met ethan um i had no idea can you hear when she's smiling it's (laughs) obvious when she smiles and talks i had i had no um idea that he was under the influence i was so naive i, I thought oh v- man very inebriated he's so tired he just was 
Um, he was a hooded figure. <laughs> he, he had his Office Max uniform on and a hoodie and a half gallon of orange juice on the on the recovery drink. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, and I walked in the room. I was very nervous. I was really nervous that night because I had gotten switched to um, to Ethan's class. So I was meeting new people. I don't like to not know where I'm going. So I was super nervous. I had no idea where. I wasn't familiar with the Danville area. I was from a super tiny, tiny town. And I never really went anywhere um, without anybody else. And so super nervous. And I walked into class. And there was nowhere else to sit except for right beside you. Which was by design. I tried to avoid people as much as possible. So. But you didn't know I was coming that night. <laughs> that, was, that seat was supposed to be a spacer, a buffer. So I sat by you. And um, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just magical. Um, you were just so handsome. And I enjoyed talking to you. I was also very nervous. And then we got partnered together for things um, at clinicals. But that night, um, well, okay, so I wish that I was this smooth, but I'm not. I truly was not trying to get Ethan to offer me a ride. I was just asking him if he knew where the clinicals were, because we were at the community college and we had to drive to the nursing home to do our clinicals that night. And it was nighttime and it was it was November 30th. So it was already dark. It was like seven o'clock at night. I was super nervous. I didn't want to drive to this place by myself. So I was just simply asking, you know, like, do you know where it's at? Have you been there before? Could I follow you? And he's like, oh, you can just ride with me. You know, like, oh, such a nice guy. You can just ride with me. Um, and I totally took him up on it. So well, thank you. <laughs> I don't have to drive myself there. <laughs> um, so. There's so many. I remember the first few years when we would recount this story, there was all the so many things that happened abnormally. I was extremely misanthropic at the time, just total avoidance of people if possible. And uh, like I said before, I just felt like Bethany shouldn't even be looking at me. And so it was very uncharacteristic to offer her a ride. So I was, I was pinched because I, as much as I wanted to avoid people, she seemed genuinely distressed. Like, Mm -hmm. You have to help. <laughs> I'm so You want pathetic. to ride in my car that probably smells and is dirty oh. and, you know, hopefully no, it's you dark. No, you were super clean. Your car didn't know, start getting dirty like until I, li- I was your who, wife. And I, you know, drift into made it mess. drinking and drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I know they lack a self-awareness to musty smell and mm. just kind of stale, stagnant smell. When, Well, you were pretty fragrant at the time. I was back in the yeah. hyper-chemical era. haircut, too. That was really bad. Yeah. At least my eyebrows We've have grown, grown back lot. in. Yeah, yeah, we sure have. Um, <laughs> so that night we got back from clinicals. I don't even, I don't remember a darn thing. I didn't learn anything. And then we drove, you drove me back to my car. She was still living with her parents and she had a curfew. And so she Dad was broke by six hours. <laughs> the yeah. reeds were not happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame them. Now that I'm a parent, I'm like, I would have smacked me. <laughs> You're considered the troublemaker of your family, which yes. is adorable. It is adorable. So, wasn't out of character. Um, yes, but we talked and talked and talked in his car, and we did kiss, totally. We Much later. Kiss. That was like hour five. Well, sure, but it was still like first day, you know? 
Everything moved Your quickly. parents were right. Nothing good happens after 10 p.m. <laughs> That's, and it was I thought 10. it was pretty good. <laughs> so we did kiss. And then I left his car. And I looked up. And I will never forget. The moon was so beautiful. I love... I've always loved the seasons. I love winter. Um, and it was November 30th. So it was already cold and wintry. And... Um, the sky was absolutely beautiful. The moon was so gorgeous. The stars were super bright. And I remember the impression in my heart from God that this is my husband, that this is it. I can be done. No more searching, no more trying to make every boy I met my husband since second grade. <laughs> this is the one. And I went home that night and told my mom, I met my husband. And that was it. So yay. <laughs> That's how we met. There's, yeah, that feels so almost adolescent in our marriage. The last few years of... Mm, yeah. I, I mean, we were very young. We did a renewal of vows, technically. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I would do it again. <laughs> but the shifts in the last few years, we've tapped into something uh, inadvertently. We didn't know what we were approaching, but and then we kind of get on the ride and then it happens. And again, it kind of harkens back to just things you cannot know and therefore you can't know their effects. And so I had been wanting to be married my entire life. Me too. I was a very heartbroken child, mm. uh, sparing for now the narrative. But ultimately, I declared when I was six years old, I will be the perfect husband and father. And it, it was obviously for myself because I didn't yet have my wife or children to declare my love for them. Mm-hmm. It was an internal need. I needed to know that a child could be taken care of, and I needed to know that a, a wife could be adored. Mm. And so <clears throat> all of my formative years, I don't know if I regret. I don't know if there's any regrets there, because I'm pretty attentive to other people's stories, and I, I kind of cross-reference people's stories, and I still just prefer the way that I went saturated with remarkable remarkable foolishness but at least thematically categorically I'm, I'm I would do it again I never got into sports or any real hobby or craft because I was just possessed by the idea of this perfect husband perfect father and so if if it didn't feel like it contributed to those efforts then I just had no time for it so I watched Thousands of movies. I was, um, I, I gravitated obviously towards movies, not necessarily the classic rom com. I, I found it, those detestable at the time. And still kind of. Still kind of. I wanted the more tragic movies, the ones where there's there's always blood involved. Somebody has to suffer, so that their love can be proven. Somebody has to. Um, Braveheart was one of my earliest exposures, where. You could edit an hour and a half of warfare out of that movie and it would still be the same to me. It's a romance movie. Mm. The movie starts out with just very sweet, simple love. Mm. And there is an injustice and he spends the rest of his existence (laughs) retaliating against that injustice for his first love. And my six-year-old mind clung to that. It's not a movie for six-year-olds. Yeah, not recommended. Uh, there wasn't much restriction. There was an attempted restriction in our household, but 
unsuccessful. Um, one of our questions people have provided, you know, how should someone prepare for marriage? And this is a really sad question to me. I think most people are in family, speaking mainly of ourselves and those that we have directly related to. They're not raised in healthy legacies, very fragmented families. And the idea of marriage is very piecemeal. Even my view of marriage has drastically changed. I, I regret, I lament a lot of the things I brought into our marriage to begin with because it was based off of movies. It was based off of secular notions of romanticism. And it worked initially because Bethany was terribly sick when we met. And I had been preparing since childhood. It doesn't matter what my wife's needs are. They're never too much. And she was raised with feeling like a burden. And so we were perfectly paired. There's just... I've been preparing for an almost infinitely burdensome wife. <laughs> and, man, and I've been preparing And she's fulfilled that. <laughs> You're welcome. But she was very sick. And um, it was, in a distorting kind of way, it was gratifying to take care of her. Like, it fulfilled my youthful oath. I wasn't actually even prepared to be well. I wasn't prepared for her to be well. Mm. I wasn't prepared for what we have now. Yeah. This is the hardest mm. it's ever been for me because things are so marvelous. Mm. And I'm so ill-equipped for such good things. Yeah, you said the other night you don't actually know how to be prepared for plenty. And you feel like it's just the it's opposite of my going to be even more. My family's bloodline. They're yeah. just so so dead set on their proud survivalism that because they're very good at it mm -hmm. my, my family mm -hmm. they're very they generous a lot. They're, they are mules they yeah. will keep going and keep working but they don't know how to hold a baby they don't know how to sing songs they don't know how to dance mm -hmm. we're just we sit around pontificating in armchairs sharing factoids it's very sterile and cold I used to think my family was very smart, but now they just feel incredibly sad. And and they say as much. Mm -hmm. You know, they they're at least to some degree self-aware in that in, instance. But they don't, they they haven't mm -hmm. experienced now what we're experiencing briefly mm -hmm. so far. But I think it, the, it's the like a wild beast. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it makes me think of that Narnian example of, you know, is he safe? You mm -hmm. know, no. Of course he, he isn't safe. Of course he isn't safe, but he's but good. He's good. That's how all this feels now. That's why it's no comparison to when we first met because still I was white knuckling it. Like I'm, I will make sure no matter what, I will make sure our marriage is perfect. I will make sure that everything is fine. And so I became your savior. Mm. That's my main lament is I, I replaced your savior. Mm. And having let loose of that, mm -hmm. it's unnerving still. Mm -hmm. It's all I've prepared for. It's all I've known. It's what I come from. And to, it feels irresponsible. Like I'm watching the reins drag on the ground while horses pull us wildly. Mm. Like, how are we still going in a better direction <laughs> than we what we were than going? We were doing it. I'm yeah. obviously terrible at this, mm. <laughs> and I'm not even so sure that's how it's going to stay forever. I think I'm going to be. I'm being trained now by my mm -hmm. heavenly Father what it looks like to let these, you know to go with the analogy still, these 
marriage is not a dead thing. It's an, mm-hmm. it's a living thing. It's mm-hmm. an institution blessed by God. He mm-hmm. wants it to thrive. And if you force it too much into your own ideas, you kill it. Mm-hmm. And the first 10 years of our marriage, as, as in love as we might have been, it felt very dark, mm-hmm. very restricted. You were terribly sick. Mm-hmm. I was increasingly sick. We were just felt like we were shrouded, shrouded. and shadowed, yeah, shadowed that's what the whole I was time. Thinking. Shrouded. Like we, like you and I were huddled together with a, a, a dim candle. Like you and I were together in all of this, but still, it just felt. <laughs> it makes me think of the. So we watch Lord of the Rings every year. Usually, we wait until we get some really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of our analogies are going to be Narnian or um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. So we watch it every year and usually we wait until it's nice and snowy. It's usually after Christmas time or if it's super snowy during Christmas, we started around that time. But anyway, it made me think of the year that we were like, we were both so sick that we were like laying on the floor and like crawling to the other room to go to the bathroom or to, you know, and that was like a more of a sickness where we actually like got a bug. bug. We actually got a bug. So we were also like having the flu and, um, but that just kind of summate summates our some of our years together mm-hmm. just utterly miserable and sick but just trying to survive and you know have a great as a time as we could <clears throat> together if some of you who haven't been chronically unwell uh maybe it's helpful to think remember when you've had the the worst flu of your life for bethany it was like never getting rid of the flu yeah she was just always unwell mm-hmm. all the time you know, towards the end of your flu, you're like, I can't wait till I can breathe again. I will, I will forever cherish how breathing through my nose feels, and how not feeling feverish feels. Uh, that never came. You know, that that springtime never came for her mm. for many years. It was hard. It was very dark. That is how I would have described it. I wasn't always throwing up the way that you do when you have the flu, but the achiness, the just weakness of body, and the, the sore. That weak certainty achiness. that something has to want to come out of my Something's body. Something's right wrong now. with me. Yeah. I've got to purge this all from my of the body. time. So that, that's a part of our life that's not necessarily common. It's not something that is regularly addressed. But I, I'm pretty health conscious. I'm pretty health minded, and so it, my my ears get perked up whenever someone starts talking about their symptoms or how they feel and Mm. most people are to some degree unwell Mm -hmm. and with our severity it was easy to empathize with people you have a headache i get it you know you have back pain you have soreness your knee hurts towards the end of our unwellness i became very furious at the enemy his successfulness with it. Mm-hmm. He was so successful with convincing us that we were to be sick. Yeah. And thinking he, he had two he had two kingdom workers who all they had the faculties to do was to take care of their sickness. Mm-hmm. We were just completely neutralized. And we've been some might count 14 15 years as a so, sort of long time but it still feels like feels like nothing. It's nothing. And maybe that's because... Especially the youngness of the last couple of years that we feel. It feels so new. It's just incomparable to what we've had before. So this mm-hmm. is... I thought when we first met, and I first met the Lord, and I was forgiven, and my heart was changed, and I could let things in like color and laughter and singing mm-hmm. and stuff. 
that oh, wow this new life oh man i'm in i'm in for this <laughs> this recent thing just it makes that laughable that was still carrying with us still smuggling in so much sickness with us mm-hmm. sick beliefs yeah sick desires definitely so many lies and just bad i don't know yeah bad beliefs I think people have been a little struck as of late when they encounter me now because I, I feel I'm floundering. And previously, I would have held a position of great confidence. I'm I'm absolutely certain of what's going on. I've prepared for this my entire life. Of course, I'm prepared. I just have no idea what's next week. <laughs> it's so unnerving. <laughs> the next week shows up, and it's it was better than last. And we sort of the the slogan in our house is just every month is the best month. Mm-hmm. It just never stops. <laughs> it's kind of maddening. <laughs> and we were, we were recently talking with some friends. You know, it's so frustrating. It's very easy to share with anybody bad news. Everybody mm. is ready to share with you bad news. Yeah. But in the last couple of years... Fewer and fewer are interested in, in the good news of what's been happening in our lives. Mm. And from where I come from, I, I know why. And I, I don't blame them, but still, I, I've, it's my first time truly being on this side of things. Usually, this kind of like lofty thinking, over-the-top gladness, goodness is just rhetoric. It's just language mm. people use. Because they they think they're supposed to feel that way. And I used to be against those people. That's kind of why I resisted you when we first met, because you're very hyperbolic in your language all the time. Everything is maximum <laughs> all the time without cessation. Like Everything can't be. Cereal is sometimes just fine. It's, it's, it's not, though. It's not amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> so now we're in a position of like, well, do we dial it down a little bit so that people... Yeah, so people can handle ...don't us. have their faces melted off by how... <laughs> intense this is (laughs) i thought we were too much before but now this is too much for us (laughs) (laughs) i don't blame people but it's aggravating Mm. it makes me think more about paul on a human level even what must it have been like to be so convinced Mm. and everyone think you're in prison like you're an idiot you're Mm -hmm. in prison you're being bitten beaten and you're telling me to be grateful like you should open your eyes and see how terrible Mm. life is it's like you don't get it when when you are spiritually linked to this and you actually let go of all the rest you just can't really calculate you can't anticipate what takes place mm. you know, what to prepare for how should someone prepare for marriage one of the, my spiels i've given since i met bethany was well first off be suicidal that really helps because <laughs> uh, christianity calls for you to die to yourself mm. And Bethany was raised Christian her whole life, and the idea of fear of of dying mm-hmm. scared her. Mm-hmm. What a terrifying thing to die! Well, I wanted to, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I didn't know that about scripture before, and so I'm like, oh no, I don't want any of this. Even the best I've seen available, it's too depressing. And so no, I'm good. I'm, I'll check out, and then. Of Christianity? Of life. Oh. Like, you know, wealth and family and, and whatever um, 
delightful aspiration people might try to sell you at the mm. time i just thought like but then it ends like mm. it's all temporal it's all it's all with so much resistance and fighting and turmoil i hate conflict mm. so much <clears throat> that it just seems like too much mm. and so i don't recommend people being suicidal but it's really benefited me. It worked for you. It worked for me. Because <laughs> when it talks about to die to yourself, like, oh, I get that. Because myself before, and it really, I let loose. And so this isn't most people. Most people had some modicum of integrity and honor and character when they were young because their parents demanded it of them. Or maybe they had it naturally. But I had a existential crisis when I was 10. And I determined, oh, nothing's real or true, so there's therefore nothing wrong or good or evil or worthwhile. So things are just things. doesn't matter. But over the course of 10 years, why, why does my heart betray me? Mm-hmm. Why do I absolutely hate myself? Mm. If I've been convinced of this, I thought, for 10 years, that I only more hate myself. <clears throat> so... I've kind of tried to subdue that urgency and zeal when I talk with people who have, for the most part, lived a, a pretty decent life, you know, how they might define performance-wise a good life. But they're still clinging to something, an idea of a future, an idea of themselves. And I, I sort of had the advantage of being liberated from that when I was in my teens. And so when I met the Lord, like, whatever you want, I don't care. Like, mm. what I couldn't deny when I first met the Lord was, especially, off, I mean, I can't really quite communicate in this forum, just how much time I've spent hating him. Like, well, I guess on second thought, <clears throat> it seems like even most cultures can't deny how awesome Jesus was. Mm. Whether you believe in his divinity or not, people still can't deny, historically, the person he, of Jesus. He's the best kind of guy. Mm. Do you want to be like him? Mm. Even, you know, the most famous example of a non-believer would be Gandhi, you know, carrying a Bible with him always and, you know, famously quoted, like, he would have been a Christian if it wasn't for Christians. Mm -hmm. Like, it was people that ruined him, not necessarily Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of glad I didn't get in front of a mic in the first 10 years. And it kind of gives me apprehension now, even to getting in front of a mic, because at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm the very best at marriage. I've been, pre- I've been preparing like people prepare since they're a child for Olympics. Mm. I, I literally studied it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just what I spent my time on. You are very good at it. It's all I wanted, mm-hmm. and anybody can be very good at something if they just become the singularly focused yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't even feel that good at it mm-hmm. compared to the amount of work I put into it. But as of late. You know, maybe three years ago now, there was a sort of a a relinquishing, a great liberation that took place. It felt the harder I worked at marriage, the worse I was at it. Again, I still just call it white white knuckling. If you don't understand the analogy, it's when you're holding onto the steering wheel going 150 miles an hour, squeezing your knuckles tight so they turn white on the knuckle so you don't crash. Which I've done many why times. are you going that fast? That's my question. First question: Why are you, Why are you going that fast? <laughs> a lot of small Midwest towns are very boring. So, um, 
certain notion started creeping in, like, <clears throat> I'll be given everything I need. Does it not has to then include marriage? Mm -hmm. I need to be a good husband. You've blessed me with this. So mm -hmm. instead of me spending all of my thoughts thinking about how I will be better, which is what I normally spend my bandwidth doing, mm -hmm. Father, make me better. Mm -hmm. uh, and then wake up tomorrow and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And one of the earliest changes was the the notion of patience before though i was viewed as a patient person it was through great effort i spent a lot of my energy toning myself down taming myself and i was willing to do it because it served that first mission but it was exhausting now I, I, I feel like I'm being restored in my patience regularly. Mm -hmm. I don't have to return anywhere. I don't have to revive anything. It's just given. Mm -hmm. And again, I feel lazy and irresponsible. All of these mm -hmm. easements have made me feel irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what the Lord's going to do with all this extra energy and bandwidth and pursuit. Like I've mm -hmm. only ever strived so mm -hmm. desperately well, that was one of the things that started changing you was the Psalms. I mean, both mm. of us that started changing us. I'd say one of the biggest shifts for us was reading the Psalms together every night. So there's 150 Psalms, and we started reading one every night before bed and praying together. And we've done that like four times now. So 150 times four, that's how, I don't know, the math on that. It's not exact. <laughs> um, 31 days, 30 days. Well, 150 times four. Close to five months. Well... Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Never do math live. Yeah. <laughs> or math. Um, yeah. So reading the Psalms and one of the things that really struck your heart was um, cease striving and know that I am God. So be still and know that I am God. Um, and, and really just starting to believe his <laughs> word. So if God wills to supply all of our needs, like you spoke to earlier, you know, so you're saying he's going to supply all of this, then, you know, what is it that I need to do? Well, I need to be childlike in my acceptance. Willing. And what, yeah, a willing participant. Um, I think with preparing for marriage, what, what I was thinking about, um, is so different than what I would have said, you know, 10 years ago or even five years ago. Um, something you said recently, we talked about, um, you know, why does it, why does it become this way? Like why I have a lot of women who, you know, write into me, ask me questions, mentoring some women through their marriages. And it's great fun. It's really, really great fun because like Ethan always wanted to be a husband. I always wanted to be a wife and I want to be really, really good at it. So it's something that I actually put effort in. I, there are so many other things I could be really good at and I just, I don't do them, but, um, again, we're, we're alike in a lot of ways. <laughs> we are. So we're, we're really good at marriage because we really do it. It's the thing that we pay attention to probably more than other things. Um, so you know, we've never been career people, but we've certainly have been marriage people. And anyway, speaking, uh, I always, I talk to Ethan about everything. And so I bring to him some of the issues that my girls are having with their marriages and we talk about it together. And then I also counsel them and, um, because I'm, I'm better with Ethan. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay on my own, but I'm, I'm better with Ethan. So I love sharing. We don't those. know what you would have been alone. So I love sharing with him and then he can help me. Um, and one of the things that you had said was it seems that women 
kind of take the vows and turn them into, you know, I will love you forever through sickness and in health. I can't wait to marry you and to start changing everything mm. about you or start nitpicking everything about you. It's like... Because you've always been able to kick and scream to some degree and get some change. And get change. what we want. Or, yeah. And because... You know, this has been coming to light more and more in the last several years that men have emotions. Oh, wow, that's incredible. We're actual human beings, too. Mm. And we're just more violently emotional. Mm. Like Women seem to be more emotional about more variety of things, whereas men might have fewer things they're emotional about, but it's just so much that they, they don't even know what to do with it, so they just kind of stay quiet or shut down. Mm. Certainly don't know how to articulate it. They weren't conditioned to talk about, I feel extremely afraid right now. <laughs> like, yeah, well, because you, you also can't say that because then you'd be embarrassed because right. you have to be the strong man that can handle anything. Because you can't every tell woman your wants wife a man with a plan. Yeah. Like, even if it's a semblance of a plan, it's, I have no idea what we're doing. That means then that, Everything the, the is power struggle unsure. begins and there shouldn't have even been a power dynamic mm. to begin with because authority and power aren't exactly the same when love God-like love is actually part of the conversation. And one of the other convers- uh, questions here is, is submission abusive? And it's, a, it's kind of a weighted question because everything that is Christian has been corrupted. And so anything I, w- I would talk about, A, I couldn't say everything that needs to be said about it in one go, but also <clears throat> any example that I could say to the positive, you could give me an example to the negative. And mm. You're like, well, therefore, there's no such thing. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing good. And because I've, over an extended period of time, actually willing, willingly wrestled with despair and terrible notions that I'm a little, even though I hate conflict, I'm willing at least to wrestle with things that just make me terrified and uneasy. A lot of the people I've encountered in the last 14, 15 years have been people who have been basically raised Christian. And now they're having a, a bit of a, a conflict in, in their faith system because it's not exactly what their parents tr- taught them to believe. But I'm coming into this very different. I hated God. I was sort of raised Catholic, but not really. I was kind of outsourced <laughs> to, to other Christians. Coming into this, I just don't have the same baggage that a lot of people have that's not to say that their baggage isn't real, that it's not justified uh, in their resistance against it, but change the. Ch- I always change the conversation to a different subject matter. So if I were a, a soldier, I have to submit to the authority of somebody giving me instructions, giving me orders. Like you cannot have a disordered military. Mm-hmm. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely ineffectual. And... There's much to be said about the military and all that kind of... As with anything, there's just so much negative that could be said that you... I don't think there's ever... uh, That's overstating. There's not often enough given a long enough investigation to something that might otherwise make you squirm. So the question of submission, that's been something that's been brought up to us many years. And Mm. submission gets replaced with subjugation. Somehow, some denominations, some men read wives submit to your husbands and they go, oh, I'm going to subjugate my wife. I'm going to make her obey me. 
Sure, and they skip the part above it, which is the Sub- husband, how husbands are supposed to be. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's part two. That's Subjugation part is forced. Mm-hmm. Submission is elected. Mm-hmm. It's an elective. My wife elects to submit. It's glory to her. It's a blessing to me. And it's something to marvel at because mm-hmm. I, I understand that difficulty. Mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed at her ability to, to submit to me sometimes me too <laughs> god <laughs> is gracious really the first 10 years n- none of this was relevant because we we did not live a biblical marriage i know that word too is all you know <laughs> everything well, good for you <laughs> yeah i know that word can be very harmful for some the people but. world the world's a mess right now right but you said that all the word all everything. the words that we could use have been co-opted have been yeah have been hijacked so yeah we're just left with nothing. So mm-hmm. we still have to proceed with the same words and then try to do our best to explain it sufficiently yeah. enough that we can capture some of the fringe, but that's part of my apprehension too. Yeah. But I'm moving past that a little bit. For those of you who aren't so still blinded by the abuse that has drowned you your whole life, sorry for that, by the way, but that's not sufficient justification to hijack all language so that nothing is effective. Yeah. And anyway, submission. I submit. Yeah. That's supposed to be the point. My wife is not a stupid person. She's not a useless person. She is not an inert object. She has also a relationship, a direct line to the Holy Spirit herself. I don't have an authority because she's stupid. I don't have an authority because she's ineffectual. I don't have an authority because she's powerless. Authority typically is used in contrast like that because people are coming from abuse. They're coming from hate. Mm. So I know a lot of you may not even be able to understand what I'm about to say because of that. And I I get that too because we spent the first 10 years of our marriage in darkness and hearing similar language and recoiling at it. But Christianity is a benevolent dictatorship. Dictatorship on an earthly level is exclusively a bad word because there's no endlessly benevolent human being. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So if you give anyone a dictatorship a level amount of power, they're going to use it corruptly. But if you actually believe that there is a spirit behind the physical that if you were to give permission to participate, and more than participate, give the power to override your decision-making. Everything shifts. I'm a little hushed now, obviously, because my language becomes impoverished at this point. It's just not what I've spent most of my time in. But I've experienced it, and it's one of those frustratingly unscientific and unduplicatable examples of, well, if you just abide, if you just truly surrender, something weird happens. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry that it's not more specific. Sorry it's not more detailed for you. It get weird. But that's kind of the point. It's kind of like marriage, where... I only know this marriage. I know stories of other marriages, but I only know this one. And there's just a magic. And I use that word as sort of a cover-all to the inexplicable, the inexplicably great 
things that I didn't plan or design. They just happened, and then they happened again, and they happened again, and they happened because of the same prerequisite. And they don't happen when I don't do the prerequisite. And so it's kind of like how they discovered black holes. You know, it's, it's how the <laughs> same spiel over and over. You. Like, again, oh they didn't detect black holes first. They detected the behavior <laughs> of objects around black holes first. And, like, they theorized, and then they found it. Same thing here. It's. I feel like I'm going to grasp it one day, but right now, when I there, when I leave it be, there's this natural gravitational force that makes things go in the same way somehow. Even if it's year eight or twelve or fourteen, it keeps working this way, and increasingly so. So it's duplicatable for us in this one example of marriage. But. To sort of try to attempt to land the plane. Yes, of course, submission is abusive if you abuse it. People love mm -hmm. to abuse it. Everyone, everyone wants to be in control. Everyone wants power. Everyone wants access and resources. Without mm -hmm. surrender and without a healing love, you will succumb well, to that abusive power, even if in small part. Yeah. You may not become the, the worst totalitarian you've heard of in history, but mm. you might be bitter and resentful and resistant and unhelpful. I also just think that people don't understand what marriage is. I mean, we were wedding photographers for a decade. And we have seen a lot of weddings. We have seen a lot of marriages. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of divorces and I mean, in less than 10 years, because, you know, we photographed for 10 years. and Within a few years. Within a few years. and They all give the same Christian scripture marriage vows. Yeah, a lot of weddings are the same. I think it's, it's very, very intense to be married. I think a lot more people are married that probably shouldn't be married. Um, or if they can change their perspective on what marriage is, then they could be married. Um, but I think of this kind of like what I was talking about with the marriage vows. Like, I want to love you. I want to be with you forever. Also, as soon as we're married, I want to start changing everything about you. And I want, you know, like we want this full, complete control. We forget what marrying someone means. It means you are becoming one. Like I am no longer just Bethany. I, I am somehow like the magic and mystery of marriage is that I'm not ever just Bethany. Like I am Bethany and Ethan. We are one. We are one flesh. So I would study more on what that means. Do you want to be another person? And is the person you're married to the person you want to be? Because I can tell you, I want to be like Ethan. Like, And again, the beauty and of the magic and the mystery and the way that God works is that you do beautifully get to be you and somehow more of you, like the best and the better and the most of you, of who God beautifully, uniquely created you to be because he knew you in the innermost parts of your mother's womb. He knit you together. Like he wanted you and he said yes to creating you. No matter how you came to be, God said yes about putting you together in a womb. Like that is just crazy to me. So to never undervalue the human that was born, then if you are coming into marriage, you have to understand that 
you are becoming one with someone else. So you're saying yes, you know, and like, and they're saying yes to you. Like, you know, I mean, there are, there are funny things. There are silly things like Ethan's cars will never be clean again. Like there are, there's just, there's trash all over all of the, there's, you know, tissues and candy wrappers, all kinds of stuff all over his vehicles, because that's what living with me is like. And there are socks left in random places in our house. I never understand how it happens, but now it happens with our son as well. And so that's what happens when you marry Ethan Burt. Like, get hot. <laughs> yeah, apparently your feet get hot and the socks have to come off. Immediately. And <laughs> immediately. And then I find them and I get to choose how I'm going to behave or react in that moment of, you know, picking it up or whatever it is. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we would love to go into. Like, I know, I know there's a lot of practical stuff. Some of the questions we actually got are actually about that. How do you delegate housework? How do you work together? Um, uh, some other questions are, you know, raising young kiddos. How do you work together to take care of yourself postpartum and how, you know, all these things. So there are so many things that we want to dig into. We want to answer all of your questions. Um, I don't even know how long we've been talking tonight, but not too long. Okay. Should wrap up soon. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking we would have cute little 20 minute things, but this is sort of the intro. Probably going to be like hour long. But um, yeah, we also want to hear from you and um, answer your questions. We have some, so we'll go ahead and start our episodes. Um, but more, you know, if you comment or if you message us, then we can answer and talk more about those things. I thought about of an analogy things. just now as you were. Yeah. Uh, over the years, wanting to give marriage advice. <laughs> I can feel people squirming in their seats as we talk to them because it, it's so scary to think that there's one right way. And then in the other direction, well, there's infinitely right ways, and I don't think that that's correct. No. But, you know, the notion of, like, mixed martial arts, you know, the multiple martial arts serves the same end. Mm. And being competent in multiple martial arts, they have a cross-beneficial reality but they're all sort of to the same end though so marriage has a design and ultimate end to it i don't think it would be good if everyone's marriage was a carbon copy of our marriage mm-hmm. this is for ethan bethany this is our marriage mm-hmm. so you know a phrase that i recently picked up in idiom is you know eat the fish and spit out the bones so whatever we say Please be blessed by what can bless you and just spit out the rest. It's fine. We're not saying that our marriage, if replicated, will be perfect for you. It likely won't work. Mm-hmm. It's this is what the Lord has mm-hmm. done in our marriage, how he has blessed us. Here's an example. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are terribly different from one another. So there's likely going to be a lot of points of connection, a lot of overlap. But um, we each of us have somewhat different personalities and different we come from different problems mm. we're trying to solve different problems mm. we're at different ages and different areas and different everything so yeah. but god is the same but god is the same and, and god he wants loves the same us. conclusion and yes he wants the same conclusion which is that your marriage would be perfect we love using this term your marriage would be perfect and the definition of perfect is whole and complete and that is what God has for us. That's what Ethan and I are enjoying because we we want it. And if God says we can have it, then I want to get it. Like I want to get it to the fullest. The, per- the and we pursuit want that of perfection for you. excites me. It doesn't feel 
like a burden because I don't think of it as the flawless definition. Right. You know, without flaw, without mm-hmm. blemish. Mm-hmm. It, the Christian definition, you are made perfect in Christ in Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That's the phrase. Because he's the perfection. But we're sometimes 20 years old mm-hmm. and 30 and 40 and 50. We are far better at marriage now than we were 10 years ago. We ought to be. Mm-hmm. And we will be better at this 10 years from now mm-hmm. and 20 years from now and so on. We get to have 60 plus years of this. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. 60 plus more years of this. <laughs> but part of why this has become a, a matter of importance for us to, to have a have a say in the matter, to, to talk about marriage you know, we're not uninitiated on the internet. We're familiar with kind of what goes around. And I, I, I'm just appalled at the not-so-veiled insults that are thrown at one another, that women are this and men are that. It's just not a helpful pursuit. It's not helpful to, talk, to always make sure that you bring up, to, to make sure that the other one knows that they've brought something rotten to the Yizzing table. Using them. Using them. <laughs> Hello. It's Mr. Nasty. <laughs> One of the things that Bethany's brought to the table that I've always marveled at, and at first I thought it was just naivete. I thought it was, it's only born of insulation, being insulated from reality, but she's suffered far more pain than most, all of her physical pain, than all of the friends that she maybe she's directly known. And as much emotional pain. And yet she still clings to this sort of Anne of Green Gables-esque <laughs> demand. That yes, there are bruises, there are wounds, there are darkness. But <laughs> that doesn't have to destroy and devastate all the sunshine, mm-hmm. all the flowers. It makes them all the more romantical mm-hmm. you know, to, to enjoy them. I actually, oh, thank you. I actually recently have been finding it difficult to, like, communicate with Jack, our son, um, about, like, how hard life is. There's been a lot, <laughs> there's been a lot of people. He's got a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he, do, he does, but, like, there are some very significant things that he has gone through, mm. and that, like, and that just, like, ha- even just a disappointment in life, you know, and just people around have been saying to him, you know, like life is really hard. Like it's good, but it's also really hard. And I just keep like in my head, I'm thinking like, is it really? Like, yeah. is it really? <laughs> Cause I just love, I just think it's so great. Um, you know, but it, if you were to, but you've committed to that and they've yeah. committed to that. Yeah. And that's sort of the other piece of like how to prepare for marriage. It's the same answer as how to prepare to be a Christian. Mm. You are, it's demanded of you to think on wholesome things, demanded of you to be good to your neighbor Demanded of you to be good to yourself. Demanded of you to think of good things of your Heavenly Father. But we surround ourselves with, with music or movies or friends who, they still permit even that dark humor. Mm. They find some way to smuggle in the negativity. And it keeps it alive. It keeps fanning the flame of that bitterness. And I think because, I, because I'm from the other side, like, well, it's probably because they think that you're being naive. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure you leave it balanced. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, there's good, but there's also bad. Mm-hmm. But I think proportionately, there's mostly nothing. Like you sit in the middle of a field, there's mostly nothing happening. There's your internal emotional state, but there's just wind, there's just soil, there's just sky. You start interacting with people, it gets a little more complicated, mm-hmm. but 
I've changed what I've selected and the results have changed. Mm. So it's like I have a responsibility here with <laughs> what I choose in my life. Don't say that word. Yeah, I hate responsibility. Ugh. Well, because then, of course, everything's by, you know, it's binary. You are either responsible and everything goes well for you or you're irresponsible and everything goes terribly for you. But you have to redefine what good and bad are. Mm. Paul thought it was fine to be in prison because it was for the church. Mm -hmm. When I was serving you when you were sick, like, it's for my wife. Like, what, what else is, I mean, there are people who are nurses and doctors and they help people who aren't, they're not married to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like given the, given the trade-off, like, I, I directly benefit from this. Mm -hmm. My wife is better off and I'm a hero. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. you know, I got drunk off that for way too long. But now that we're on the other side of this, the the unreined horses thing, <laughs> like the unreined horses thing is basically the analogy towards let, letting God yeah. do what he was intending to do with this marriage, which yeah. is terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we've been recently read the Harry Potter series, and now I'm recently reading the Lord of the Rings series, so I'm thinking about dragons and like, mm -hmm. Riding a dragon is a terrifying thing, but both of them seem to have, well, they didn't ride it in Lord of the Rings, but in Harry Potter, he rode the dragon. Mm -hmm. And like, it ended fine. <laughs> Therefore, they give him a pra you know applause for being a gifted wizard or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I, I more closely liken marriage to that when you let it be what it's supposed to be. It's riding something terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> but it's wondrous and then people see it from a distance and give you applause but you're thinking oh my gosh this is out of control but also not maybe a dragon's a bad analogy it's usually an evil no evil omen but sorry we were trying to land the plane and then i kept us going <laughs> maybe finish with just some of these more recent notions there's a simplicity available if you're willing to be healed, willing to surrender to your pains, willing to surrender to your abuses, likely needing further fleshed out. But if you just let this be what it's supposed to be, mm. let it loose. Don't try to control the other. Don't try to control your life. But to trust. Mm. Trust and love and relationship. Mm. And it sounds awfully parental. Mm. We're trying to plead with our child please trust us. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we go through all this effort to design a life of safety and providence for you. Don't rage against it. Mm -hmm. I know you're uneasy right now or afraid, but always rely on the trust in me. Mm -hmm. And so this is our first child, so that's much more visible to us now. And that's what was a catalyst for a lot of this change. But I don't think marriage is a a one-off thing it's not unrelated to the rest if you begin to trust that you are absolutely completely loved no matter your performance and then offer that to your spouse mm. make them believe that mm -hmm. because if you call yourself a christian if you accept that you are loved no matter your performance but you don't extend mm. the same to your spouse what an evil mm -hmm. what an evil you've done mm. So because these things are so vast, I'm like, well, just do one thing at a time. Don't try to do all of them because marriage is multi-layered. Mm -hmm. So maybe first off, love them no matter what. <laughs> that should be the basic starter of everything. Mm -hmm. 
somehow miraculously you're loved no matter what by someone who knows your every thought and action ever maybe start there hmm. that's good I like it okay we'll land the plane we're done mm. <laughs> and how do we say goodbye <laughs> and that's it for tonight we will be back <laughs>